Welcome to Printing Profits. Making a lot of money quickly. That's the dream, isn't it? Forget dreaming, that's the goal. For new entrepreneurs, getting to that first four or five figures can take some time. But when we heard about someone making over $100,000 in one month, we had to find out how. Welcome to Printing Profits, I'm Talish Zuffer. After losing her job during the pandemic and deciding to open her first Etsy store, Cassie Johnson thought she had a long way to go. But after learning about print-on-demand, in two years, she sold over half a million dollars worth of products. Her multi-niche approach, trial-and-error attitude, and serious work ethic paid off big time. So we wanted to learn more about her journey, how she managed to find the keys to her success, and how what she went through can apply to anyone running an online business. That's why we're calling this episode Your First 50K. Cassie, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. So I want to start by asking you about your life before Print On Demand, your work, your habits, and, and how that prepared you for starting your own store. Absolutely. So before I started with Print On Demand, this was really my first experience owning any kind of business. I just had normal jobs before that, obviously, just like everybody else. Um, my main work history before starting with Printify and Print On Demand was in sales. I sold furniture for about eight wow. years. Yeah, so I think some of that might have helped. You know, I've got a good determination. I was used to not having the exact same income every single month. I think that's something that probably helped me. But I've never worked on a computer or done hmm. any design work. And so there was a little bit, a little bit of a learning curve as far as that stuff goes. Must have been a steep learning curve when you started. I mean, how long did that take you? I mean, I'm surprised that you didn't really work on a computer and here you are managing so much now just through just through that. I mean, did that take a long time to pick up for you? Yeah, I mean, I ended up working a job about a year before the uh, pandemic and when I started working with Print On Demand. And it was kind of a computer job. It was like sales from a corporate office. But yeah, I still didn't really know how to use a lot of things like Excel. But obviously, I knew how to use a computer. But the design work and how to use design software was definitely super new. And I can definitely confirm my first about 50 to 100 designs were terrible. <laughs> but once you get through those and start to understand it, you know, everything just comes with time and practice. I feel like it's like a badge of honor. You know, they say like even in stand up comedy, you got to go out there and pay your dues. And I feel like those first 50 to 100 listings that don't go so well, it's like part of like a rite of passage almost for online store owners. Yeah, I really like to quote, I don't know if you know who the Lifehacker couple is on YouTube, oh, yeah. but they were the ones that I first found to start doing print on demand. And a quote that Jaren said on his channel was that your first hundred designs are the manure that your great future designs <laughs> grow from. <laughs> That's so fantastic. And that makes sense. Totally, for sure. You mentioned that you started your online store during the pandemic. And this was a time, obviously, that a lot of people were struggling to find money. Um, what was that like for you? And how did you make that work? work in that time? Well, personally, it was kind of a convenient time for me because 
I got furloughed. So I didn't know I was laid off just yet. The first eight weeks, I thought it was just a temporary thing. And so I wasn't really panicked. I was like, okay, I've got a couple of weeks at home. This will be nice. I always wanted to start some kind of side hustle, have multiple income streams. So I wasn't going into this thinking this was going to be my end all be all new passion in life. I just wanted to make a little extra income. Mm. And so I think it was nice starting it that way, actually, because there wasn't as much pressure. And so I just got started literally the day after I saw the YouTube video about print on demand and just got started that day. No pressure, just started making designs and listing them and making designs and listing them. And so it was kind of just like a fun hobby because everything was shut down. We were home. There wasn't a ton to do. And so it helped me to fill my time. And I really enjoyed doing it, which made it really nice and easy in the beginning. Has there ever been any pressure in this process for you? Like, especially when you started to earn a lot more, did that ever come? Or do you still feel like it's like a hobby that's going really, really well for you? (laughs) No, there's definitely some pressure, you know, especially after quitting my job. You know, I started this in May of 2020 and I officially quit my job to do this full time in June of 2021. So it was just a little over a year. And, you know, I am uh, married now. I was engaged at the time. So it wasn't our only income that I was giving up to do this full time. But there is still some pressure there that, you know, telling people, you know, like, oh, I'm a full time business owner and just getting over that mental leap, I feel like was actually pretty hard. I still have trouble sometimes admitting to people what I do for a living. Really? Because they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's just, it's a weird thing. I think it's one of those mental things, maybe some imposter syndrome, yeah. you know, it just is something you have to get over. So there was some pressure after quitting my job, like, okay, I quit my job. My husband believes in me. Now I really have to <laughs> make this work and make it worth it. Yeah. No, I mean, look, if, if, if he had any reason to believe you it would be now, especially after you're doing, you've done so well. And part of the reason that you found a lot of your success was because of Etsy. And I know that when online store owners first decide to, to open a store, you know, they're faced with different sales channels. Um, some choose Shopify, building their own site. Some choose existing marketplaces like Etsy. What made Etsy the right choice for you when you decided to open a store? Well, I've kind of got a two-part answer for that. Well, first, it started that I actually had recently just purchased three gifts to send my sisters and my cousin mm-hmm. during the pandemic to send them like funny, cute gifts that they could have while everyone was in lockdown. And so I was an Etsy shopper before selling on Etsy. And so I think I always knew selling on Etsy and making handmade items was an option. I even tried making some of my own things to potentially sell on there, like concrete candle holders, which I realized would be way too heavy to ship to people and wasn't very practical. I tried making little perler bead creations. And so I always had the idea that maybe I'd want to sell on Etsy because I knew that platform. And then the YouTube video I saw was specifically talking about print on demand plus Etsy. So it seemed like the perfect fit. But like a lot of new sellers, my store got shut down within, you know, two days of opening. And since it was the pandemic, my shop was closed for an entire month because Etsy didn't have a lot of staff to get people's shops back up and running. And if you're listening to this now and haven't started, normally they get your shop back within about a week, but it is normal for newer sellers to get suspended because they're worried about bots and you can just get your account back. But in that month that I was off of Etsy, I did try a Shopify store because I looked online and that was what some people really recommended. But 
it was really hard. <laughs> it was a lot more steep of a learning curve on Shopify. You know, on top of having to learn how to design products, I had to design an entire website, how to oh, run yeah. Facebook ads, <laughs> how to start social media. And so there were so many more pieces that went into it that I bet I could probably tackle now. Yeah. But at the time, it was just too many things. And so I was really happy when I finally got my Etsy shop back. And that just is like a simpler easier to use platform in my opinion. Yeah. I want to talk, I want to go back to what you said about design being one of the learning curves that you had to experience when you first uh, opened up your store and started creating products. Um, So a lot of people who come into this, they like the print on demand model. They like, you know, the idea of being online store owners, but the design aspect is very daunting for them, especially if they've, if they don't have any experience with it, especially if they're working with programs like Canva or Photoshop that, you know, um, at first glance might seem complicated. How, how did you manage that? Like, well, tell me a bit about your you know, process to learn design. Absolutely. So in the beginning, I can tell you exactly what my mistake was, <laughs> and it was overcomplicating it. I was adding graphics behind words. I was adding multiple colors that didn't necessarily go together. I was adding three different types of fonts. I thought in the beginning that if it was going to be a good design, I had to like be super creative and go over the top and make it really, really different. And what I've learned now after three years is that simple designs really sell the best. If you look through what sells on Etsy and every other platform, most people don't want, you know, a Lisa Frank shirt (laughs) with tons of colors and leopard print. Some people do, but the majority of people just literally want a nice white font on a black shirt or a gray shirt or a pink shirt. That's a lot of what actually sells. And so once I simplified it to doing only text or just text in one small graphic, I started to see a lot more success. And so if you're not finding the success that you want, simplifying it is going to help you a lot. Mm. Now, of course, this episode is called Your First 50K. And I know that SEO played a huge role in your first and getting to that first 50k for you. A lot of people, including myself, are very uh, intimidated by SEO because it's so database. Um, How do you conquer something like that? Absolutely. So I think it really matters how you come at it. If you make up a design in your brain and you're like, this is great, I know it. And then you have to make up the SEO and guess what someone's going to type in to find your item, you're going to have a really frustrating time because you're going to be guessing and it's going to feel really hard. Whereas if you kind of reverse engineer it and first find a niche that's already selling well for lots and lots of people, then you make your own unique design. Doesn't even have to have the same saying as anybody else, but you make a design for that niche You already know the types of things that people are typing in to find that on Etsy. And you can see that in the titles and the tags of the people who have those bestseller badges, who have 20 plus in the cart. And so you just go through the top, you know, five or 10 people for that niche that have a bunch of sales and see what words they're using and use them in your own listing, at least the ones that make sense. And really, honestly, it's just as simple as that. If you reverse engineer it and make sure you're starting with something you know people are searching for, look at listings that are already successful and duplicate that, not just copy someone's exact title and tags, but combine it into your own way that makes sense for your listing, then it really can be as simple as five or 10 minutes and then you're good to go. 
Right. But this is what I find interesting because you are actually very active in a lot of competitive niches and you've done well in them. And I'm guessing that what you just said was was part of the reason for that. But when you do something like that, when you work with, you know, SEO that that is that is very common and then you, you kind of reverse engineer, just like you said, is how do you appeal to that to that audience? Because there's a lot of competition there, right? Like, how do you make yourself stand out in that way? Absolutely. So you can't just take the same thing someone else has and make it look a little bit different and Mm -hmm. expect to find success because someone's going to look at your listing with zero sales and someone else's listing with 80 reviews that are five stars and tons of pictures. And why would they buy yours over theirs if they're very similar? So the answer is you need to not be very similar. You need to add value somewhere. So there's a bunch of different ways that you can add value to a search result. One way could be coming up with a completely new funny saying. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite ways to do that is by looking at memes on Google. (laughs) If I'm making like a book lover shirt, I might not make the same saying that everyone on the first page of Etsy has. I might go look to see if there's any funny memes that aren't trademarked or just funny, silly sayings on the internet. Or better yet, come up with one my own. Puns sell super well if you can come up with a silly pun. Or you can add value by making it matching shirts. You know, mommy and me matching shirts or couples matching shirts, best friend matching shirts. You can combine niches. So let's say someone loves drinking coffee and reading books. You can add value by making a shirt about both of those things. There's a million different things that you can cross niche together and combine to create a totally new design that would appeal to a specific person that when they see that shirt, they're like, oh my goodness, I love coffee and reading books. This shirt was made for me. And you're going to stand out around the people. Uh, that are around your listing. And so I always try and find a way to bring value in some way. That way I'm not just competing one-to-one. Mine has a specific reason why you'd want to buy mine instead. Right. Well, I mean, like you talk about, you know, researching a lot before you end up designing. How much of your time is spent like on just researching before designing? Like, do you find you spend the majority of your time on researching or is it just the majority on designing or is it something else entirely? Absolutely. So I think in the beginning, that answer is going to be different than today. So since we're talking about the first 50K, you know, just to give you a preview into your future, eventually, when it comes to design, there's probably 10 or 15 different design styles that are my go-tos that I know that if I look at the search results for a niche, that if they don't have designs that look like this specific, maybe layout of font, Um, that I can have my go-to design. So designing for me takes just a few minutes nowadays because I already know what's proven to work for me. And eventually, you know, everyone will get to that point as well. But before you get to that point, you know, you can look at lots of different bestsellers across Etsy and start paying attention to what they have in common. Are certain fonts popular? Are certain layouts popular? Are certain color palettes popular? And find clever ways to combine these things that are already proven to work for other people mm-hmm. into, again, your simple design is a good way to do that. And so eventually the designing gets a lot quicker, but I would say that most people spend not enough time researching and too much time designing. Interesting. I'd say if you put more of your time into the research piece and then just make a really simple, to the point, great design that gets the point across, that's easy to read, you'll have a way better time than if you focus on the opposite. What I find interesting about this is that many people, just like yourself, um, 
come into this, you know, they have a business mindset, but they are also creatives. I mean, you mentioned that before you opened your print on demand store, you were physically making these interesting products that you were trying to sell. Was that a was that a difficult switch to make from going to like an from an artist to just sort of uh, <laughs> a person who's like scouring for data, I guess is the best way to put it. Like you're sort of going after this data, seeing what sells and then and then working back to design. Whereas in the beginning, design was the first thing that you were interested in. I think that it wasn't as much for me because I wouldn't necessarily have called myself an artist, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, unfortunately, I wish I was a, <laughs> you know, a super creative artist, yeah. but I wouldn't necessarily call myself that. But I think that if you can really find the creativity in the research piece mm-hmm. in the way that I'm talking about, you know, looking at what's out there and how you can do it different, there is creativity in that as well. And so I think sometimes in people's minds, they think that this doesn't count as being creative if you are looking at what already is selling for someone else yeah. and then using you know that data to make your own design. Uh, but it is still a creative process. Yeah. Well, it's a creative way to make money, that's for sure, definitely. <laughs> um, tell me about some of the tools that you use to stay on top of running your store. I mean, is it difficult to manage a, diff- uh, a store while at the same time managing your life? I mean, you mentioned you're, you're married. Do, do you have children? I'm so sorry. Speaking of children, my teenager's alarm is going off in their bedroom. Now, I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> no, this is great. We're going to keep this in there. <laughs> They're not home. So I'm just going to go turn that go, off. Turn it off. Let's really call it. Yeah. So my kid is just beeping over and over. Sorry about that. I don't know why they'd have an alarm for while they're at school, but here we are. Well, that answers my question. You do have kids for sure. (laughs) I do have one teenager. I have a 14 year old. Yeah. So how do you stay on top of that? I mean, you're doing, you're, you're, you're a successful business owner and you've got this life, you've got this family. I mean, what tools do you use? Do you use any tools to stay on top of this? You know, in the beginning, so since we're talking about our first 50K, no, I didn't really use any tools necessarily. The only tool that I used is an Excel document that I created to track my income and expenses because that can be one complicated piece to really understand how much money you're making profit after all of your expenses. And so that's probably really the only thing that I used in the very beginning. Nowadays, I like to use Everbee for research. You know, I wouldn't say it's something that you have to have as any research tools. All the information that you need is right on Etsy, uh, but it can make things faster for you uh, in the same ways that you're already doing the research. Uh, but no, I wouldn't say I've really used any tools to make it easier. Um, you know, I do have so much respect for everyone that has little, little kids. <laughs> I wouldn't really compare having a teenager that sometimes wants nothing to do with me for days to someone who has a toddler. Um, so what is a lot easier time in my life to do something like this. Um, but it's it's been a really, really great time doing it. For sure. Um, I was curious about something you said earlier about how you Etsy was the greatest kind of choice for you in the beginning, aside from opening a Shopify store, because it was kind of the simplest way to sort of get your products out there. But you eventually did open a Shopify store. Um, So why was it important for you to, to have a new sales channel when your Etsy was doing so well? Well, no, that's not exactly how it happened. So I apologize if I misspoke. I had my shop open for about two days and then it got suspended. 
Okay, yeah. And so it's not done well just yet, <laughs> but I was so excited about doing print on demand still that even without Etsy, I wanted to find another platform to still explore it. And so I tried Shopify for about a month. I ran Facebook ads and I got five sales from people I know on yeah. Facebook. And that was it. I didn't get any organic sales. And so as soon as I got my Etsy shop back, I actually closed my Shopify account. Oh, really? Okay. And you, you've still not gone back to the Shopify. You're still a big time Etsy seller. No, I probably won't go back to Shopify at any point. And I think that's really because Etsy aligns well with my life goals. Mm. Etsy makes it nice and easy for me. Everything's really automated. If they already have customers coming to the platform, if I want to run Etsy ads, I can, but it's all built into the same platform. I don't have to monitor them as much as you would with say Facebook ads. Um, I don't focus really on any social media followings for my store. And so I get to, you know, spend a bunch of time on Etsy when I want. Or then I can take a lot of time off and just answer questions with the customer service as they come in. Because my goal with my business is I want to spend maybe 10, 15 hours a week on it mm -hmm. and make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dream. That's the dream. Yeah. Running a Shopify store is just a little bit more in depth. Maybe it would get simpler over time. Uh, but the Etsy platform really just aligns well with what I already want. Yeah. Um, speaking of the traffic that you get to your store and the fact that, you know, there's a built-in audience there, um, how much do you say of the traffic that comes to your store is, is organic uh, versus, you know, coming through ads or stuff? I don't know if you do put out ads for your Etsy store, but how much of it would, would you say it's more organic or more paid traffic? It's definitely the vast majority organic. Mm -hmm. I didn't start running ads until about the end of my first year, so yeah. probably six or seven months in. And I started running ads for about $40 a day, which will probably get you, you know, five, six sales a day if you run ads at that amount. You know, you're not going to spend $40 and make 20 extra sales. Yeah. <laughs> um, Etsy just unfortunately doesn't let it happen like that. And so the vast majority of my sales have come from organic. Because for a lot of people, building that organic traffic is is not easy. What what would be some advice that you would recommend for uh, for for new online store owners to, to to start getting that organic traffic? Absolutely. So you know, I'll beat this dead horse. It all starts with the research yeah. and making sure that you're adding value in the beginning. Because right. if you're not giving someone a reason to buy yours, if you're just blending in with the rest of the search results, that's the number one most important thing above all else, as well as having a great photo. You know, your mock-up photo has to be great. The design has to be easy to read. And so if you're not getting the conversions that you want, I'd look at those two pieces first and foremost. But honestly, that's not all that goes into it. Beyond that, if you're not running any paid advertising, it's normal for a listing to take really six to eight weeks to get indexed in the Etsy platform and start getting sales. So if you're sitting here saying, I made this great listing and no one's buying it a week later and you're disappointed, then that's normal. And so I think really understanding what the life cycle of a listing is like on Etsy is super important. And to just know that you need to just keep chugging along, keep doing your research, keep getting new listings out there and trying new things. And then two, three months from now, you're going to start seeing the fruits of that labor. So if you make a bunch of listings now, wait a few months and they start selling, you could have already made more listings along the way and then have it be more consistent. So it might feel a little slow in the beginning, 
But there are a few ways that I would recommend to get your listings to take off a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. And one of them, if you can, is to price your items lower than you actually want to sell them at in the future to try and get those first few sales quicker. Because Etsy really values your conversion rate, how many people click your listing and then actually buy it. Because Etsy's just here to make money too. If they know that if they show that listing to someone that they're very likely to buy it, then that tells Etsy that they should show that to more people. Yeah. So if you can yeah. get it a sale quick in the beginning of your listing process, right after you list it sometime, then it will do better over time if it can get a better start. So you could price your item at just above break-even cost, figure out your cost for Printify, figure out your Etsy fees, price it just a tiny bit above that. That way you're not quite losing money. And that would be a good place to start just for the first maybe three, four, five sales just to get it its first few reviews and kind of buy your spot in the Etsy search results by getting it there quicker. You could also run ads on those right in the beginning to try and again, get them a sale quicker. Uh, But not everybody obviously has the luxury to do that. You know, if you don't have a lot of money to put into potentially losing a teeny bit of money in the first month or two, then totally understandable. You don't have to do it that way. But those are two really great tactics to try and get your listings boosted in the beginning. And then that will really pay off in the next few weeks or months after that. That's great advice. No, definitely. Um, look, before I let you go, I, uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about this the entire time we've been chatting. As a person who's achieved so much as an Etsy uh, seller, as just, an, just, just as a guru for a lot of people who, uh, who are starting out in this business, what are some milestones that you have left for yourself? I mean, you, you've achieved so much. I mean, is there anything else that, you're, that you'd like to achieve with your business? The next big milestone that I'm looking to reach in my business is the coveted million dollar Etsy store. (laughs) That's what I am heading for. Right now, I'm at about three quarters of a million, so right around 750,000 in revenue. So still a little bit of a ways to go, but I have high hopes that I'll be able to get to that million dollar price point uh, very soon as far as the revenue goes. And I just really want to keep growing it Um, I might actually even start a new Etsy store to kind of prove that you can still start one today and kind of restart that process. So that's one of the other goals I'm working on as well. Definitely. Well, hey, we're rooting for you, Cassie. Thank you so much for chatting with us. We really enjoyed it. Of course. Thanks for having me. This is Printing Profits. Hey, this is Printing Success, crisp tips by Sarah from Wholesale Ted. And one tip that I have for you is that while you will admittedly hear a lot of people in the print-on-demand industry, including admittedly myself, talk about t-shirts a lot, they are not the only product that you can sell. The reason why you hear so much about t-shirts is because it is true that by volume, t-shirts are the most popular product with customers but I have friends that have made a lot more money with other products. So for example, I have a friend that made over a million dollars with print-on-demand sneakers. And I have another friend that made millions of dollars selling print-on-demand leggings. 
And even though t-shirts are admittedly my biggest seller, I still sell lots of other products too, such as stickers. My customers love stickers. And here's a bonus tip. If you wanna see what other products have been popular with customers, go to the Best Sellers tab within Printify to see what products other than t-shirts have been proven to be popular with customers. This is Printing Profits. Cassie spoke today about her niche, and we speak about niches all the time on this show. We were thinking about calling this the niche podcast for niching your niche, but we thought that was a little bit niche. But what are the niches you should be avoiding? What is possibly oversaturated and where you might find it difficult to stand out from the crowd? This is trend spotting, and we're looking at the niches everyone loves that maybe you should avoid. Okay, first, one of the most saturated niches, especially on Etsy, is the niche that Cassie has had success in. I know, weird. The fact that she's done so well tells you that it is still possible, but there's a lot of people into vintage and retro designs. It makes sense. We all remember stuff from our childhood fondly. And many of the designs or clothes we had back then are not being made anymore. So you can definitely step into that gap and offer up a design. The only problem is that a lot of people have had that same idea. Type vintage into Etsy and you get more than 11 million results. Vintage t-shirt itself will get you almost 300,000. So if you're going into the vintage space, you may need to go sub-niche or even sub-sub-niche to stand out. Next up are minimalist designs. Do you like something subtle, not too much design, maybe just a simple shape or a short line of text? Me too. But again, it's something that a lot of people are into and a lot of people are also designing for. If you're looking to open your store, just having a cool minimalist design like a monograph or a little illustration in one corner might not be enough. You may need to have an extra meaning or dimension to your design. The last niche to be careful about is the holidays. But wait, aren't we always telling you to be ready for Christmas, Black Friday, Mother's Day, and more? Am I saying not to get your store ready for holiday events? No, absolutely not. But I am saying that there are a lot of designs out there that are specific to just a particular holiday. Christmas sweaters, for example, bring back more than 200,000 results. So you likely need something more specific. Now, if I add the word dog to get Christmas sweaters with dogs on, I'm down to 3,000 results. And if I go for a specific breed like a bulldog or a greyhound, it's down to a few hundred results. So yes, it's important to be ready for the holiday season, but just being about that holiday means a lot of competition. So what's our advice for finding the niche that's going to take you to that four or five figure sales? Select something you know and love, but also try going to a sub-niche by highlighting a particular element like a certain dog breed or a particular character or anything that moves out of the general and into the specific. Thanks for listening to Printing Profits. We'd like to thank Cassie Johnson for sharing her experience with us and at the same time introduce you to the talented team behind this program. Executive producer, Laura Gelvite. Associate producer, Anita Njoki. Technical and video production, Emil Siasuns and Valerius Olechno. Sound production, Christos Hartmanis. And I'm Talish Zuffer. See you next time.